I'll be honest with you, rodeo season is about to kick off, and I am not a rodeo guy, uh, but I do like good cowboy boots. And Tacovas, well, they're all about rodeos, but you know what else they're about? Rock and roll. My best friend is a rock and roller. He's a guitarist. He wears these boots. It's awesome. Tacovas believes in Western for all, and you can feel that when you go into their stores. When you walk in, you'll be greeted like family. Offer to boot shine and drinks, yes, even the hard stuff if you prefer. And you can get custom fitted for a new pair of boots. You can even get custom leather stamping or branding that'll make your boots truly one of a kind. Look up your closest store on Tacovas.com. If you can't make it into the store, Tacovas delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit Tacovas.com. That's T E C O V A S.com. And Point your toes west. As a special opportunity for our listeners, Tacovas has said that they will throw in one of their best-selling trucker hats or ball caps for free into any minimum purchase of $100 on Tacovas.com. Just use the code TRUCKS at checkout. That's T-R-U-C-K-S. It's about a $30 value and they sell fast, so there are always new styles and looks. Again, for a limited time, just enter the code TRUCKS at checkout to add a free logo hat to your order as a one-time gift from Tacovas, Only at Tacovas.com. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Hey, Andre, what truck should I buy? I don't know, Roman. What do you want to do? <laughs> I want to buy a truck, and I'm completely confused and flabbergasted as to which one to get. Wait a minute. You're not Nathan. No, I'm not. Uh, and I'm also flabbergasted <laughs> about that. But Nathan is on a program, so you're stuck with me. And today, we're going to do something fun. We're going to answer your questions, mostly about truck buying, because, well, let's face it, buying a truck is not like buying a car. It's very technical. Yeah, we asked for your questions and comments, and you responded in a huge way, so thank you very much. As always, patreon.com slash tflcar is where you can support us and uh, submit your questions as well. Uh, and we have many really important questions. Yeah, and I think there are questions that a lot of you might be also wondering about because, you know, unlike a car, buying a truck is more of finding the right tool for the right job. Yes. So uh, before we get to that, can I do a little bit of a Roman rant? Yeah, I, I love those. All right, all right. Well, thank you. Somebody does. Okay. <laughs> hey, do you know what an ick moment is? Ick sounds bad. Yeah, yeah. So let's say you're on a date uh, with a young lady. Usually it's a lady. And uh, um, you guys have some chemistry. Okay. Have some attraction. Uh, and then you do something. Usually it's a guy uh, that completely turns the girl off. Like, for instance, let's say you're, I don't know, eating mashed potatoes and you decide to eat them with your knife. <laughs> instead or of your hand. Or your hand. Okay. <laughs> or your mouth. <laughs> Instead of, you know, the usual utensil. And that moment, and that's an ick moment because all of a sudden the girl's like, I don't want to date a guy, you know, who will eat mashed potatoes with a knife. Okay. I, I get it. So I was watching this TikTok and there was a list of, like, different ick moments. This guy went around and asked girls what their tick moment, you know, what their tick icks were. Okay. <laughs> <And> TikTok. <laughs> it's a lot of icks <laughs> and talks. <laughs> anyway, anyway, so, so one of them, and this was quite... <laughs> 
kind of um, head scratching. The girl said that, you know, the second a guy uses a turn signal, that turns her off. What? <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> Using the turn signal. And I'm thinking to myself, all right, uh, hmm. all right, how about this? How about the second you get T-boned by a truck because he doesn't know you're about to make a turn? <laughs> Is that an ick moment? <laughs> that, that's a very big ick moment. <laughs> I, guess, I guess it's not very manly oh. to be indicating where you're driving. I, I suppose she thinks you should stick your arm out the window and indicate with your middle finger or something. But come on, really? No. Using the turn signal turns you uh, off? Where, where does that come from? <laughs> it comes from, I'm going I'm to say that it comes from the College of Stupidity. <laughs> I, I don't get it. Yeah, I don't get it either. And... Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, we're living in strange times, but like I say, you'll be really turned off the second you're T-boned by a semi. That'll be very un, un, uh, as unsexy. Soon as, as soon as you make a very logical, good decision, that's bad, right? I, I know. I'm the guy who, who's a pro-magnum who'll just drag me to the bedroom without using his turn signal. Wow. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we asked uh, you guys, right? Um, to submit your questions, and boy, do we get a lot of questions. Yeah, thank you very much. So this show is really about you guys, because without you, we wouldn't have a podcast or a YouTube channel or anything like that. And Andrea, I notice you're sporting our new uh, all-TFL shirt. I have apparel. Okay, you have apparel. We got all-TFL shirts, uh, because we want uh, to make sure that you guys are up-to-date on... Oh, and it's a staff in the back. Staff. Look, look at that. Well, you are staff. Well, uh, because when, when I have a T-shirt with a staff on the back, I feel... Part of the team. Yeah, you know, of course. I'm part of the staff. You're, you're, you're a very important part of the team. Um, but we want you guys to keep you know, up to date on everything we do because obviously we have a lot of outlets. Uh, and so if you go to alltfl.com, maybe save it as a little uh, web app to your phone, uh, you'll get the latest and greatest in everything from classics to, you know, to motorcycles and to trucks. Cars and electric vehicles. As well. Yeah, yeah everything. All right. All right. So let's get... To these questions. So I have a really cool one from Frank Beans seventy one ninety nine. Okay. Hey Frank. Hey Frank. Um, he says, "I'm planning on upgrading my current 2017 Toyota Tacoma to a full size truck. Now that I have two young kids and a double cap Tacoma just doesn't have enough space. I'm really leaning towards getting a hybrid Tundra, mainly given the reliability and the expertise of Toyota with hybrids. What are your honest takes on a hybrid Tundra? And do you think I would I should go either with a Tundra hybrid or an F-150 hybrid? Now, as you recall, Andre, we were one of the first in the country to actually have a Tundra. Is and also an F-150 hybrid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. You, you've, the company's owned the Tundra and you've owned the hybrid. Yes. So that's a great question for you. So uh, I, I guess it depends on if we take the brands, right, and just talk about the two trucks, right? That's hard to do. Well, Frank is already a Toyota Fan. Yes, of course. He owns a Toyota right now. Yes. So, but let's 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 get rid of the word Toyota and the word Ford, and let's just talk about the two trucks and the differences between them, because we've had experiences with both. And then, uh, Frank, you can decide. You know, you could add the word Toyota back or Ford back, and then you can decide which one's right for you. Sure, absolutely. So, first of all, uh, traditionally, the word hybrid in uh, you know gasoline uh, terms with electricity means efficiency. It means it's right? boring. It used to mean that <laughs> until <laughs> until the hybrid trucks came along, Roman. Yes, okay. So it means efficiency traditionally. So which is why so the F one fifty hybrid was like the first uh, installment of what I would say a full hybrid because you could go short short distances on electricity alone, or have combined power 
gasoline and electricity together. Yeah, and let's just face it. Basically, what you're doing is you're adding a battery to the truck. Yes. Uh, and it's, you know, de depending on the size, you can only go so far. But the idea is to make the uh, motor, uh, actually it doesn't have a motor, the engine, sorry. It has both. Yeah, so it, it has an engine and a motor. And a motor is to make the, the vehicle much more effective uh, in terms of torque, in terms of fuel efficiency, uh, and in terms of uh, being boring. <laughs> Not boring, Roman. <laughs> you know why? Because why? it's also you're adding torque and power, which makes the truck faster. Okay. So that's, that's not really boring. So, all right. So here's, let's do um, positives and negatives. Okay. We, that. Well, should we start with the Tundra first? And yeah, let's we, talk about Tundra. All right. So let's start with the positives and the negatives. So what are the, let's start with the positives. What are the positives? Huge power. Yeah. So 437 horsepower and about 580 pound-feet of torque out of this combined system. That's huge power. That is huge power. Also 10-speed automatic. Yep. And so Toyota Tundra had the, I guess, the benefit of being second, right? So the F-150 hybrid was there on sale first. The Tundra hybrid came a little bit later. And I think partially because of that and partially also because of Toyota <laughs> and their diligence to detail, I think, in my opinion, the Tundra hybrid is a little bit more smooth. You know, the operation of that system is not, more, is not jerky. A little bit more integrated. Yeah, it's, it's smoothly integrated. It's traditional um, kind of Toyota expertise comes through. Well, let's face it. I mean, Toyota invented the hybrid drive. So if anybody can, uh, <laughs> you know, perfect it in a pickup truck, it certainly is um, Toyota. But you know what the negative is? What? On the Tundra. What's that? Efficiency. Yeah, it's not efficient. So it? it's not efficient. So, no. Frank, if you're looking for the yeah. Tundra hybrid to provide you Prius-like efficiency... Yeah, you're barking the wrong thing. <laughs> you will not get it. In fact... You are a maverick. <laughs> yes. In fact, many non-hybrid pickup trucks in the full-size segment get better efficiency without a hybrid than the Tundra hybrid. Yeah, it's kind of weird, isn't it, that uh, it's actually, like you said... Uh, more about torque and horsepower and less about fuel economy, which is ironic because in most of the other hybrid systems... Uh, it's reversed. Yeah, it's reversed, yeah. Right. Uh, so um, the other downside, if I recall, right, is don't you lose that underside storage in the back seat because that's where the battery's at? Yeah, so t t uh, the Tundra went with nickel-metal hydride mm. battery, and it's fairly large, yep. and they put it right underneath the rear seat. Mm -hmm. So when you open up the rear seat on the Tundra, you just see a plastic box. Yep. And this is where I love storing things. You know, I do too, yeah. It's, tie it's downs, downs, gloves, um, hitches. Small cats. No, please don't <laughs> store cats. Okay, small dogs. <laughs> no. Place no, no, but, but place it's a, wouldn't fit. But it's a great storage place out, of, the, out of sight. Look, pickups, especially if you have an open bed, have no storage except for the, you know, the glove box and, yeah. the, and the armrest area. But that's not enough. Yeah. And so th that under backseat storage is very useful. So now on the flip side, the F-150 hybrid hides the battery, lithium-ion, mm -hmm. underneath the truck. So n close to where the fuel tank is, right? So within the frame. And so you still have all that storage. So they did not intrude into the cabin of the truck at all. All right, Andre. So we've talked about the T product. How about the F product? Yes. So let's talk a little bit about uh, more about the F-150. Yep. So power is still okay. So a little bit less than the Tundra, though. So 430 uh, horsepower in the Ford and also like 570 pound-feet of torque. So the Tundra is on top a little bit as far as power and torque, but Ford is also there. 
what I really liked about Ford, and they're kind of changing the way the F-150 configurator is, mm -hmm. um, especially 2023 and beyond, um, you could get the hybrid even with a work truck. You know what I'm saying? You could, you could get the hybrid with any trim, uh, basically, and uh, almost, well, it had to be a crew cab. But other than that, you could get it in very different uh, configurations, and you have the extra storage. And, Roman, most importantly, 7.2 kilowatt output. Of onboard power. Of onboard power. Yeah. And that's why I have the image behind us yeah. uh, where we use the F-150 hybrid to power a house. Yeah, that's huge. You know, if you're uh, camping and you need, you know, power, if you're working and you need power either at the work site or to charge up stuff, it's just a, it's just a huge uh, benefit uh, in terms of all kinds of different aspects of your life. And I always felt that um, like it was one of those like, duh, why didn't somebody do it when Ford actually came out and did it right away? I was always really curious that it took somebody that long to come up with that idea. We actually used it to even charge up an electric car that we were towing back because we ran out of power. Yeah, so the possibilities are really endless. David and I used uh, the uh, onboard power in the, in the F-150 to weld at the ranch. Yeah, it's great. I mean, it's it's insane the the number of things you can do. But have, having said that, um, you probably only use it for like when you use it, you use it, but you don't use it all the time. You know what I mean? When you need it, it's really great right. to have, but it's not like something like like you need like every day unless you're really uh, you know at the job site and charging up the tools or something. Well, I think you asked me because I owned the, the Ford almost for a year and a half or yeah. two years. Mm -hmm. I think you came into my office and you said, Andre. In the last couple of months, how often did you use onboard power? And I said, like, once. Yeah, exactly. I, I was mowing my lawn. You know, I had some tools that I was charging, mm. and I was mowing lawns, and uh, I, I was using it for that. How about fuel economy? How is the Ford? Uh, so the Ford is better. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, this is why I'm leaning Ford. Okay. For Frank. So, Frank, uh, I know you're a Tacoma guy right now, but the F-150 hybrid, in my experience, had better just just better in-town efficiency. And on the highway, they're all the same because you're pushing a giant brick through the wind, right? Uh, but in, in the city, the Ford F-150 hybrid was a little bit more efficient. It was really fast, quick. It has onboard power. Those are really great attributes. All right, so let's bring the brands back into it. And that's why I'm going to say get the, get the Tundra because <laughs> it sounds like, Frank, you are a Tacoma uh, guy right now. In other words, a Toyota guy, and you know, you mentioned the word reliability in there. He did, uh, uh, and so I'm not saying that uh, the Tundra is going to be more reliable than the F-150. We found that Ford builds an excellent truck in terms of reliability, but I think once you're kind of uh, in that world of Toyota, uh, that's like one of the, the the things that gives you comfort. It's corner. It's a cornerstone. Yeah, it's a corner. It's, it, it's yeah. important. Yeah, it's like the, it's like the thing that that. Uh, you know, you, you, you look at the truck when you get up in the morning and you jump into it and you think to yourself, I'm going to be able to hand this down to my kids. And that's, that's you know, whether you will or won't, I don't know. But the fact that you think it can do that, which rightfully you might be able to do, is, you know, enough to make you very happy. So I'm going to go with uh, the Tundra. Go a little bit bigger, you know, get the Tundra and just don't get it stuck because it doesn't have recovery points. <laughs> But, but I would also say, uh, in the try, <laughs> exactly, but try to get a little bit more affordable Tundra too, because I know like the capstone hybrid is there and none they, are affordable. I, I know none it, of the, it's, it's getting say, harder and I say harder. None, I don't mean just Toyota's. I mean, 
any exactly. full size pickup. Exactly. <laughs> but but uh, Frank, try to uh, go into configurator, figure out where the hybrid is, um, powertrain wise on trim levels, and uh, just you know try to go there. Yeah. All right. Well, there you have it, Frank. Um, what's next, Andre? So speaking of price, I think we had a question about uh, prices. This one comes from Genera Ineves. I'm sorry if I mispronounced that. All right. So the prices of new trucks, they say, continue to increase year after year. Uh, so this is a kind of a big question. But... 007, Genera Ineves. 007. I'm just going to call it 007. 007, thank yeah. you. Secret agent. Yes. Um, do you think traditional manufacturers will actually start to lower their prices on new trucks for a change instead of continuing to increase their price? We've seen this happening with some Tesla EVs recently, but but not trucks. It's a good question. Yeah, I think that's a lot of that's a question on a lot of people's minds. So thank you, 007. And the reason for that is, you know, people are thinking to themselves, should I buy something now? Or if I can, should I hold off and hope that things return to normal? Uh, and so let's let's kind of dissect that question, 007. The first part of it uh, we'll answer in a second, but the second part where you said, like Tesla, but Tesla is kind of its own thing, right? Uh, it, I, I kind of feel like, you know, it depends on, like, what side of the bed Mr. Musk has gotten up on, <laughs> depending on, on where... Uh, the, the price of the vehicle will be that day. Uh, and to me, uh, he has a different motivation than I think most legacy companies. So I think his motivation is to get the highest stock price, basically to, to sell as many vehicles as possible. So at the end of every quarter, you'll see you know incredible price drops. But I'll give you an example of the downside of that. Uh, my neighbor just bought a Model S, like, uh, I don't know, maybe a month ago. Uh-huh. Uh, and they just dropped the price by, like, 30K. Yeah. And so, now your neighbor, is he happy? No. Like, overnight, <laughs> the val- and he trades in cars a lot. Uh-huh. And overnight, the value of his car went down, like, 30K like that. You lost uh, money. Yeah, yeah. And thank you, you know, Tesla. Uh, so, so, but but Tesla. So is I, also, think, I think that's a whole kind of. Yeah. It, it doesn't. That that doesn't like. It's not a. I don't think that that bodes anything for the rest of the industry. Yeah, because they're also operating in a unique position because they're all electric company. Yes. And they have direct sales in a lot of states. Yes. Right. In uh, most le- states. Legacy manufacturers don't have direct sales. Yeah. <laughs> at all. So you've got this dealer in the middle. Yeah. Uh, and then. Of course, dealers are dealers, and it depends on you know where you're at and where they're at, and do they have a boat payment coming up <laughs> or a plane payment? So, 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 so let's get to the first part of your yeah plane payment. Let's get to the first part of your question. Uh, do we think uh, truck prices will come down? I think they will come down. I'm starting to see uh, the lots fill up with pickup trucks, and the old model was obviously they had a lot of trucks on the lot. And then you'd come in, and then you could potentially play one dealer off of another, or you could, you know, uh, do some internet sleuthing and find out what the MSRP is, and then you could try to kind of negotiate down. Uh, it's that's a hard game to play because there's a lot of other factors at play, right? You you don't know how much money's on the hood from the manufacturer. Sometimes you don't know what incentives they have, but I think the prices currently are just unsustainable. Yeah, so, and I think a lot of it also has to do with the pricing of the trucks and vehicles in general has to do with supply and demand yes. to a lot of, to a big extent. So I was recently talking to uh, one friend who works at the dealership, and he was telling me that uh, some of the good news is there are more used inventory now. 
So people are, you know, starting to, uh, you know, once again, buy new vehicles. There is a little bit more used inventory. Which, so, which brings the price of new vehicles down. Yeah, a little bit because you have more choice right. available. When you walk into the uh, dealership lot, you can pick a truck that's about two or three years old and versus a new one. But on the flip side, like vehicles like the Super Duty that just was refreshed, you can't find one. Right. Right. Everyone, every Super Duty that arrives on the lot is pre-sold. So that drives the price up, right? Because there is a lot of interest in that truck and the prices go through the roof. You bring up a really good point, Andre. I would say that, um, you know, it depends what you want. If you want the latest and greatest or you want the top dog trims. So if you want a TRX or a Raptor forget R about it. or a Hummer EV, just forget about it. Those things are, you know, for most of us are unobtainium. And if you're in the... If you're in that kind of category where you've got money to burn, they're still hard to get, right? Because they're, they're, there's just so little supply and so much demand. Uh, but if you're willing to look at trucks that maybe aren't the, the, the kind of the, the soup du jour, you know what I mean? The truck of the day where everybody mm -hmm. wants them. So I'm talking about trucks like Ram. You know, the Ram has not been refreshed for a long time. Uh, especially now with the Titan going out of production, I'm sure you can get a really good deal on a Titan. Uh, I think the same can be said for Frontiers if you're in the midsize truck space. But if you have to have the latest and greatest, just be prepared to you know pay through the nose. Like the next-gen Tacoma. Yeah, or, that's another one that's going to be Or the Ranger Raptor, right? Right. I mean, forget about it. I mean, those prices are going to be huge. I think the Colorado's coming down now, the new Colorado. Well, there's more of them, and now yeah, the 2024 yeah. model year is on the way. Yeah, yeah. So, so Colorado and Canyons may be a little bit more attainable uh, as, as more of them reach the dealership. But... But you mentioned the Ford Maverick, right? So the one way to, if you don't need a big truck, one way to save money is go smaller, mm. right? From the full size to the midsize, from the midsize to the compact segment, you can just kind of move downward to save money. From the compact to the Tonka? Tonka toy. <laughs> that saves a lot of money. <laughs> Not a lot of utility. But <laughs> you could sit on top of it. Yes, of course. <laughs> so, so that's another way to save a little bit of money. But we did a show about this, Roman. Remember where, you know, government regulations on emissions and safety, and there's a lot of other forces that driving a price up, right? Yeah. I, I also think social media is driving the price up because there's so many people now who want to be influencers of one form or another. We see it all the time. I mean, we've been doing this a long time, and we consider ourselves more journalists and influencers, but there's a lot of people out there who have to have the latest and greatest because that's what's going to get views, right? And we do too. I'm not saying we don't. But for them, you know, um, they make their money by promoting whatever is red hot. Uh, and so you, you kind of tend to feel as a consumer that if you don't have the latest and greatest overtrail, right, uh, or the latest and greatest Land Cruiser, that, that you're not like part of the cool kids. Exactly. Uh, and, and I think that's all driven by social media. But like I said, there's a lot of, there's nothing wrong with uh, a lot of the trucks that aren't the cool kids on the block, and you can save money on those. Uh, and I'm talking about new trucks, you know, it's a whole other conversation if we're talking about used trucks. Totally. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live 
bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. So I have a related question from another uh, fan uh, whose username I may mispronounce. Okay. But I think it's X Kami X. X. Okay. So I'll just call you X. Mr. X or Mrs. X. Uh-huh. Um, so a two parter. So first part of the question, out of this uh, four main segments, small, mid size, full size, and heavy duty, which of those provides the most value? Where do you think manufacturers more directly try to compete on price? Well, I think every segment they compete on price fiercely. Mm. So if you look at Tacoma versus Ranger, or if you look at F-150 versus Silverado, or whatever you have, Ram versus Toyota, I think those prices for those starting prices and trims are super close. Which provides the best value? Yeah, which, I, mean, you, I think like, when you buy more metal. Yeah, you get like more I, metal for your money if you buy heavy duty. Heavy duty. Look, the most popular segment of those, of course, is a full size. Yeah. Right? So that's probably the, if you had to pick the most competitive segment, uh, you know, Ford, uh, Chevy, Ram, uh, Toyota. Uh, Toyota, and Nissan have been fighting tooth and nail for that. So in, in general, with more competition, you get lower prices. Of course, now we're in a weird time where you, where you don't. But in terms of like where do you get the most value for your money, um, I think Andre is absolutely right. There's like there's I can't I can't point to like a segment and say you know you're going to get a lot more truck if you buy a compact truck than if you're going to buy a full size or a heavy duty. Uh, it just it doesn't work that way. Well, so when you own a pickup truck, you become you know you, all of a sudden you gain more friends, right? Uh, somebody's moving, they want your help. Somebody's in trouble, somebody's stuck, they want your help. So the bigger the truck, in my opinion, the more things you could do. You know, you could move heavier objects, you could help more people, whatever you want to do. You can spend more time driving around trying to find a parking space. Yes, all of those things. <laughs> so maybe, let's just say, you know, in like, my let, opinion, actually, that's a heavy duty. Let's, let's not be, I won't be like, I'm being funny, but let, let me be serious about this. I would say, first of all, take the heavy duty <clears throat> truck segment out of it, uh, because if you're looking for a truck that you're using as a family truckster, and we don't know by that question, the heavy duty is the most uh, closely resembled to a tool, right? People buy heavy duty trucks not because they want to, well, not everybody, but most people buy them because they want to haul a fifth wheel or they need to you know, use the, payload, the vast payload capacity. It's not a great truck as an everyday driver. We've got the Trail Boss here, the Cummins Trail Boss, and just from a practical standpoint, it's hard to fill up if you're in town because not all pumps have diesel. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to keep filling it up with DEF fluid, which is all. I know they're really popular right now because everybody's like, oh, I want the biggest, brawniest truck, but they're, they're really tools. They're work tools. They're the truckiest of the trucks. So I would say I would say take that out of the equation because now you're competing with people who are using them for work as opposed to for everything else. Yeah, but but Roman, look at some of the more popular trims recently, like the Ram Heavy Duty Rebel, mm-hmm. you know, meant for lifestyle, Tremor as Super Duty, 
once again, lifestyle. So there is some of that there, but, uh, but I would agree with you. If you wanted to commute every day, one of the worst things you could do is buy a dually, right? I mean, or a, <laughs> or a large heavy-duty truck. Or even a single rear wheel. Yeah, I mean, they're long wheelbase, they're hard to turn, you know, and everything else hard you mentioned. Hard to get them out of. Yeah. Yeah, so I would take that out of it. And I would say for most people, kind of the sweet spot uh, for trucks is mid-sized. And, and the reason for that is once upon a time, mid-sized trucks were pretty small, but now uh, they have gotten to be kind of like maybe a, F-150 from three generations ago. How are you, let me ask you this, how are you living with your mid-sized truck? <laughs> Is it working for your family, Andre? It just barely. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. So I recently did a update, long-term update video. AltTFL.com on, on your Colorado? It's, it's on AltTFL.com, yeah. Uh, you're, and you're, so You're from a tall family. Yeah, so I'm basically almost 6'3". My wife is pretty tall. She's almost 6 foot. Our, our two kids are also pretty tall. Yes. So all of us... You know, I, I really bought the Colorado because I wanted to try out the new generation of the truck, right? And I was really keen on that. But after going to the lake a few times, yeah, the space is a little bit tight. Hmm. And my son wants to bring his buddy. Right now there's five of us. Yeah, back seat's not And so, thank goodness, you know, my son is 12. So he so, he's kind of flexible, right? <laughs> so your next truck, you think you're going to go back to a full size? I think so. Okay, there you go. Uh, yeah, so that's my answer. Um, but you're, like I say, you're tall. Yeah, we're kind of big people here. Yeah. So. All right, what was the second part of the question for, from X? Yes, off-roading is becoming more of a mainstream interest. Yes, absolutely. Depends where you live, I guess. Uh, yeah, New York City, maybe not so much. Um, and a lot of specialty trims, the ZR2s, the Raptors, the TRD Pros, are starting to be out of reach for most average consumers. True. Hmm. Where do you think is a sweet spot for getting 90% of the capability and fun for the least amount of cash, hmm. similar to what Mazda Miata is maybe for sports cars. A seven to 10 year old truck that has an off-road package. There you go, done. Because, because yeah, if you wanna take a brand new, we just had the AT4X here, uh, we had the Raptor R. I was terrified to take that thing off-road, Andre, and we took it off-road because now you've got a $112,000 truck that you're putting in harm's way, right? And there's that, you know, Land Rover has a saying, you know, the first person to take their vehicle off-road is the third owner seven years into the vehicle's life. And I think that is a sweet spot because, yeah, if you really want to go off-roading, I mean, there was just that video, for instance, from Burning Man where that guy with the TRX, did you see that? Like, Yeah, he was, he was like pedal to the metal. metal pulling his trailer yeah. with, with its uh, little steps down. Yeah. But how, when, yeah, once in a lifetime... <laughs> He won. He won. He won. Congratulations. <laughs> you got to use a CRX's prodigious off-road ability. Uh, but, you know, why would you want to – I mean, because it's cool. I know. You want, you want a truck that this – is, this is the thing about human nature, right? You want to buy a truck for the 1% of the time you're going to use it as opposed to the 99% of the time you're going to use it, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, I think an FX4 on the forward <laughs> side, right – it's not as cool, but it's more off-roady than you'll ever need. I mean, trucks, just, just standard 4 by 4 trucks are about as off-roady as most people, unless they're doing, you know, like, like Poison Spider and Moab, are ever going to need from the majority of their off-roading. And I think you're starting to see that with all the major manufacturers because they're creating more niches, right? You mentioned FX4. That's been around for decades. Now they have the Tremor. They also uh, introduced the Rattler. Remember the F-150 Rattler that is a unicorn? You could never find one. 
Um, I'm not sure where and, they and, are. And you know, they, yeah, I know, and you know, I think they're done with the off-roady stuff because Ford just said they're bringing out the Lobo, right? Which is Lobo, be, which is you know the Mexican F-150. But I think in this case, it's going to be a lowered F-150. So now they're now they're going back to like, all right, we've, we've cut that pie into as many segments as we the, can. The off-road pie. <laughs> yeah. So now we're going to go the opposite way. So, and they've created more, but I would say the trail bus, I bought the uh, Colorado trail bus for a reason, because it has a small lift from the factory, yep. has beefy tires, and it doesn't have all the lockers, and it doesn't have fancy shocks, and it doesn't have a lot of things, um, even cruise control. Yeah, it, uh, but ahead. it's still capable, right? It has that ground clearance, and it has the G80 mechanical locker. And X, there's one thing you gotta keep in mind. As much as off-road trucks are expensive, if you wanted to get that same level of not just capability, but durability uh, from the aftermarket, you'd pay a boat ton more money. You mm -hmm. would, right? That's the thing. Like, let's take the uh, Gladiator, for instance. If you had to buy a Dana 44 uh, front, with a locker, with a locker front and rear, uh, that would cost you a heck of a thousands of dollars more than Rubicon Gladiator would. Yeah. yeah. So, so you're kind of in a catch 22. If you don't buy it, initially and then you want to add it on later you're going to just pay through the nose and the other thing we found out is and i'm, I'm not going to name names here should i name names andre i'm not going to name names I, I don't think that's a good idea but in general you know we've bought a lot of trucks where people have added stuff onto them and we just actually bought uh, an 80 series land cruiser mm -hmm. with uh the same issue we, it has some aftermarket rock rails and yeah. you see those things they're almost rotten to the core. They're rusted. They're, they're yeah. rusted. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and then I have, we bought that Jeep uh, AEV, uh -huh. um, and all that stuff is just incredible. The JK. So you can yeah. go to the wrong shop, basically. Yeah, and it's, you know, you can just the aftermarket stuff isn't, isn't built to the same tolerances and, and the same level of durability and, and uh, longevity that the OEM stuff is. It just isn't. Often is not. No. Yeah, exactly. But we won't name names. Uh, yes. I know you want us to name names. And to, to add to your point, like if I wanted to turn my trail boss into ZR2, yeah. forget oh about yeah, forget it. You can't. You know, for example, the shock mounting in the rear axle is different. I, I would have to redo my frame just to just to become a ZR2. Yeah. So, so that's that's not. So so I guess X. I think what we're telling you is, if you really are going to go off road, then heck yeah, it's worth the money. But if you're doing it just because you know you want to ride around uh, in a TRX or a Raptor R uh, to show off. Uh, if you got the money, go for it. But yeah, you don't need that capability. Yeah, look at the Rebels and the Proforexes, TRD off roads. Yeah, in fact, that, that that much you know that much expense is just going to make off roading really sucky because you'll just be so worried about the thing. I have another question from Greyhawk. Okay, Greyhawk. Gre Greyhawk JL nine four seven. All right, what's Greyhawk asking? JL is that does that mean they like Jeeps? Could be. I'm not sure. Um, so Greyhawk has a. Minimal, almost a multi-part question because, um, and he, we alluded to this already, TFL buys a lot of trucks over the years. True. Uh, which one was your favorite in each of these categories? Off-roading, towing, or everyday driving? On the other side, has there been any that were just disappointing in any of those areas? Oh, it's Brian from Scottsdale. Oh, there you go. Hey, Brian. Oh, hey, Brian. <laughs> Well, what a great question, Brian. Thanks for asking. Uh, yeah, I mean, as reviewers, you know, we tend to try to be um, political uh, because and fair and fair, but oftentimes political because we also have to have a working relationship with the manufacturers, uh, and we don't want to piss them off too much by you know taking a huge uh, 
you know, I guess if you're, you know, a YouTuber and you don't have a relationship with the manufacturers, then you, you can not be political or you can go the opposite way and be extremely derogatory or negative because it'll get you views. But we're, we're always fair at the end of the day, right? So we're always fair. But having well, said... Well, usually there's a good and the bad. There's a good and bad, yeah. To, to everything. Yeah. So, you know, political slash fair, um, in a way they're different, but in a way they're not. Uh, so let's let's talk about the trucks that, that, that we've owned that, 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 that have surprised us. Let's start with that. So I'll, I'll give you mine, all right? Okay. Um, so you may think it's like a TRX or the Raptor R. Those were exactly what I thought they were. Just big chested, barrel chested, you know, loud, uh, in your face, puts a huge smile on you, uh, on you every time you drive them. So kind of predictable. Yeah, that's what you, they are what you think they are, which is great. Uh, but the one that really surprised me out of all the ones we've owned was the uh, Chevy Trail Boss. Remember that one? It was the Silverado. The Silverado, yeah, yeah Trail yeah. Boss. Uh, that, that actually, except for the seats, which were kind of sucky. I don't know. GM's got a thing with seats. They're they're they're, they're, they're never long enough for me. Yes. And they're never soft enough for me. Maybe I'm getting old and, and too comfortable. But uh, that that truck just did pretty much everything that it was beyond honest. It did everything that I needed it to do, and it did it very well. So you wanted to cross country in it. Okay, maybe not the seats, but even those I got used to. It was good. You wanted to tow with it. It was good. You wanted to go off road with it, even with those ranchos. I thought it was good. Um, so for me, that was the one I, I think that was the most surprising. Because it just was such a Swiss Army knife of trucks. I agree. Um, I have another one in mind. Yeah. Sorry, I was trying to bring up a picture of our trail boss, and I failed miserably. So, so there you go. Um, there you go, Brian. <laughs> I loved our Gladiator. Oh yeah, the you one. Know, yeah. The the Gobi. Yeah. It kind of had this desert color, right? Yeah. Um, the so first of all, out of the box for off roading. The Gladiator Rubicon is already pretty good. And then we had a Jeep Performance Part lift kit on it, uh, N35s. And that was one of the most favorite uh, off-roading pickup trucks um, that I think we had because it's a little bit smaller, right? The, the Gladiator is a little bit more compact, it's midsize, and has a great suspension that Jeep worked with Fox on, right? Exactly for that vehicle. And it was one of our best, I think, off-road projects we've done. Yeah, I agree. It was... Uh... It was the stance was right, the look was right, you know, everything about it was right, um, and um, yeah, the engine was right, uh, size for that vehicle. I, I love the color. It just it all worked. All right, I'm gonna go the other way now. I'm gonna go. Are you going towing or where are you going? I'm going surprisingly in a bad way. Oh, okay. So so with one hand I take GM, and with the with one hand <laughs> I give GM, with the other hand I take because the, the one truck that I did not jive with yeah. uh, was the uh, Chevy Silverado. ZR2. Ooh. Ooh. Yes, I know. Wow. And you know why? Because I was expecting it. That was one of those, like, I think one of the biggest sins you could make as either a truck or a car manufacturer. And there are a number of vehicles that I could point to that have done this, where, like, the vehicle visually writes a check that you can't cash. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, a good example of that would be the BMW i8, right? That looks like a supercar. It looks like a spaceship. It looks like a yeah. very fast autobomb burner. And then you get in the thing and you basically have a little mini three-cylinder, you know, that, that's supplemented by a battery. So it, do, it, it, do, it, it looks much quicker than it is. The problem with the ZR2 uh, was that it still had that V8 under the hood, which would be a good thing, except it was meant to compete in some ways with the TRX 
and the, now the Raptor R. Well, it, it is and was their top dog. Yeah. And, of and, Silverado. And you can't compare 400-ish horsepower to 700. So while it works in, you know, their other trucks, it doesn't work in their top dog truck. And I was like, Chevy, you've got a Corvette. <laughs> right? Take that engine, please. Put it in there. And now you've got, you know, but but I think I think Chevy felt that they had the Hummer EV. Uh, so... Uh, the ZR2, you know, it was going to stay with that with with that 6.2 V8, but I just felt like it was way, way uh, underpowered so, for the for the kind of the looks it had. Yeah, and and Chevy had other tools in their tool bag for the ZR2 that I don't that they did not use. For example, they also sell uh, performance intakes and exhaust systems on their accessory side. Mm. Why not just wrap it into one package? Good point. Just just pack it in. Uh, have every ZR2 have that exhaust system and make it a little bit more in your face, more loud. Yeah, stick, stick the vet engine in there. Yeah, or raise the power. Uh, the Cadillac Escalade uh, V has a supercharger. Yeah, slap a why, supercharger why, on why, it. Why not use that? Or that engine. <laughs> yes. I, I never got that. The potential was there, but the reality wasn't. How about you? What was the one you kind of found surprisingly disappointing? Hmm. Is there one that you could point to? The Hyundai Santa Cruz? Yeah, the Hyundai Santa well, Cruz was... So here's the thing. Uh, uh, dual clutch, dual clutch, dual clutch. Yeah, dual clutch. dual clutch transmissions and I think pickup trucks don't really mix. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they make one with the regular 8-speed, which I think Nathan has, and that mm-hmm. one is perfectly fine. But the dual clutch, we took it off-road a bunch and it just would overheat. And also, we had a little bit of reliability problems with ours and it was kind of clunky and it was fixed. Uh, Hyundai did fix it um, over a couple of iterations of us going to the dealership. So, but I mean, the Santa Cruz is good because it's once again it's a runabout, right? It's comfortable in the city. It's small. It has a pretty nice interior. You, you know what I hated about that? I, there's a lot of things I loved about it. So I, I love the design language that they used. I love the size. It was very easy to park. I love the fact that it was a little bit taller than most vehicles. But I, gosh. I'm just so OCD. I hated all that piano black. All I did was the first thing I would do is I would just wipe down all that dust that was all over the screen and the piano black. I could not get past that. It just drove. And me then the bonkers. dust comes back immediately. Like, if you take it off road, it's like, yeah. it's like, a, it's like a, that screen is like a porcupine <laughs> covered with dust. So yeah, um, do you want to go to towing really quick? Cause, yeah. Because we do a lot of, tra- yeah, of trailering course. and yeah. towing. Let's do a Ford. So one of the best trucks, and we've owned a couple. Uh, heavy duties. Yep. Um, and actually, we have an OBS Ford now, too. We do. Uh, we have an older Old truck. body style. Yep. Uh, but my favorite right now, out of several we have owned, I would say our Cummins Ram is my top choice for the trucks we've owned for towing. Yeah, you know, we've put a lot of money. Usually we don't, because a lot, of, a lot of times the vehicles just sit here when we're not using them for video production, right? Uh, so we don't put a lot of miles on them. Uh, plus, we have the, you know, the test vehicles that we also have. So... It's hard to put serious miles on them, but that one we bought in like I think like March of 2021. Is that so right? it's been like a year and a half, and we've got like over 20,000 miles on it. 22,000. Yeah, that just shows yeah. you how much we use it because yeah. it's such a such a great towing. Rate. It's kind of a go-to, you know, yeah. when we need to go to Utah to grab a trailer. Yep, we use the Cummins. Yeah, and um, it's, it's got tons of room. Uh, you know, it just purrs down the highway. It doesn't care. You, you could load it up. Whether you put 6,000 or 12,000 behind it, it just doesn't care. And also with a lift, too. Yeah. I mean, uh, we actually lifted the truck. We made it the Trailhound, um, used the BDS suspension, and once again, Fox. And then our friends at AEV gave us that really badass front bumper, which is just <laughs> spectacular. And we're going to do a rear bumper. 
I hope so, so yeah, soon. just to finish it off. But uh, it, and, and still, that did not destroy the towing. Yeah, yeah. It still tows really, really, really well. It looks like a prospector. The only thing it's missing is that snorkel, which I don't want. Here's a hint for you guys. Snorkels are cool, but they're loud, right? Cause the, the, well, the, they have the wind resist, wind. No, it's the wind flow around them that tends to yeah, make yeah, a whistle. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. they're kind of sticking up there. Yeah, yeah. And so if you're going to do a snorkel, there's always this, like, do I put on the driver's side or passenger side? Yeah, go passenger if you can. Just and make it the, aerodynamic, yeah. like some new manufacturers yeah, so are doing. Otherwise, they're very loud. So, yeah, so those are kind of our, I mean, we've owned, like, two dozen trucks probably oh, for sure, yeah. over, over the years. So, yeah. And, you know, a lot of them, of course, were, were really, really good. All right, let's keep going. What else All is right. there? So here we go. I'll do another rant while you're looking uh -huh. at your questions. Mm -hmm. So, Andre, I was driving to work this morning, uh, and um, there's like a highway, right, uh, the, the, the diagonal that runs through Boulder. Uh, and off of uh, J Road, uh, when you're going <coughs> south, uh, you can make uh, – uh, a turn, and because it's a three-lane highway where people are doing 55 more than that, there's a merge lane there, right? And the idea is that you pull up and you do a zipper merge, right? So that, that you get up to speed, and so you have your own lane there. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pulling up and trying to make that turn, and I look, and about maybe a quarter mile, there was a Mercedes GL, uh, it was a GLS that was parked in the merge lane, because that driver didn't know how to do a zipper merge. So they accelerated a little bit and then they stopped. Yes. I couldn't think of anything more dangerous. No, <laughs> because other people are trying to accelerate yeah. right there. I'm like, we stopped like teaching zipper merges, and it happens so much. It happens so often when you're kind of merge. It happened to me twice today, actually, when you're happened to me in Longmont, too, when you're trying to merge and there's a merge lane and people stop, even though there's no stop sign there, because they don't understand or they don't either have the ability or the, uh, I don't know, Nathan probably would say cojones to actually accelerate and then merge like a zipper into that traffic. It's very frustrating. Mm -hmm. Like they think it's like a, like a stop where you have to stop and wait for the light to turn red so that you can then get, it's, you know, and I was in a rush, I was trying to get to work and I'm like, no, just go, there's no stop. There's nothing but a yield sign. You but just, now they lost momentum. It's, not, it's you know, done. And then you can't get, then you can't it's, do it's it. It's done. Yeah, like that Mercedes just stuck there. That is super oh. dangerous. Yeah, I've seen that too. Yeah. Um, so here's a couple of questions. Uh, maybe we can hit some of them quickly. Okay. Uh, one is from uh, Chuck Cannon. Hey, Chuck. So Chuck grew up in the city, he says, and never had an opportunity to tow anything. Mm. Um, what is a good way to practice, he says? Any suggestions on where to start or the first thing to tow? Well, first of all, you have to have a vehicle. Yeah, this sounds like a question for you. <laughs> you have to have a vehicle, Chuck. So... It depends on how heavy. Um, I mean, first of all, if you never towed a trailer, gosh, you could rent a U-Haul. I mean, I mean, and actually practice with that in an empty space, so you're not pressured by others. So, so I listened to uh, Paul and Todd over at Every uh, Day Driver, right? Uh huh. Yeah. Uh, and those guys do a really good uh, kind of question segment. And the reason they do a really good segment answering questions is because people they've 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 like basically define the kind of criteria they need to make a good answer from the question, right? And this is a perfect example of we don't have enough information to know how to answer that because we don't know, you know, what you're planning on towing. There's a big difference between towing like a little motorcycle trailer 
to towing a boat to towing a big like let's say you know <coughs> car trailer or a toy hauler or so so it's it's hard to answer that because I don't know what you're planning to tow and we don't know what you're planning to tow what the vehicle is that you're going to use to tow right yeah because you could so be, we need more in, info yeah yeah it's are you going to be using a maverick in which case it's relatively straightforward or are you going to be jumping in the deep end and going to i don't know uh like a toy hauler or how about a how about a how about a how about a, a horse trailer with living quarters like one of those monsters. Oh boy! Yeah, I don't know. Do, uh, you, do you have horses? <laughs> no. So here's a but. The, but but I can give, give it your best. Yeah, shot. I can say this. So people think it's all about power. Mm. That's what. I, if you haven't told before, I think uh, I've talked to a few people. Uh, they always say, "How much power do you have? How much horsepower? How much torque?" It's actually about how many brakes do you have. Yeah, it's more about <laughs> controlling it's, the load. It's more about stopping than moving, um, in a lot of respects. Uh, because a lot of vehicles now have great engines, you know, especially newer vehicles have turbochargers, uh, any number of things. Um, so, so there's several um, links in that chain, right? You have to have the right hitch, you know, that's capable of towing the weight you're towing. Um, you have to be adjusted correctly so the truck and trailer are as level as possible. You know, how many times have you seen a truck squatted down completely and then the trailer makes a V? with it and they're trying to go down the highway yeah you have to figure out what tongue weight is that's a good way to start so i'll take a crack at this too okay i would say what was his name again chuck hey chuck so i would say chuck get yourself a towing rig whatever that is whether it's a truck or you know get yourself a maybe go to u-haul if you don't have one borrow a trailer and then find one of those empty uh uh parking lots where like a shopping mall used to be right with lines yeah with lines Yeah. yeah and and i would start by First of all, just driving around and getting used to the fact that uh, when you make a turn, you got to always look in the mirror from the direction you're turning, and you got to kind of not do a turn the way you do with a car, right? But you got to make a much shallower. It's, what would be the well, right word? It's a wider. It's a wider, much wider. You turn, turn. later, yeah. right? Yeah, so that, that that you're not cutting the corner with a trailer. So get comfortable with that. Uh, then get comfortable in backing up a trailer and see if you can actually put it between the lines because nothing more stressful than like bringing a boat down to the <laughs> dock for the first time the first time and you're zigzagging down yeah and everybody's watching you so so practice that i would also say uh, practice hitching and unhitching the trailer and make sure that because there's a bunch of steps and they probably got to be done in the right order uh, so make sure you're comfortable with actually locking down the hitch make sure you cross your chains make sure you put on your emergency if you've got brakes and also, when unhooking a trailer, chuck your wheels. Yes, always please. chuck your wheels. Be, please, because sometimes you're not aware of a slope. There might be a slight slope anywhere you are, and if you just unhook the hitch, the trailer might just run away. It just will roll, roll down or into your, tra- into your vehicle. So please chuck your wheels. Um, and um, also, this is also counterintuitive. People think that if you have a really short, small trailer, it's easier to back up. Harder. It's actually harder. Because every motion you make, that small trailer does it quicker. Yeah. Right? It just it's just quicker to respond. So if you have a longer trailer, like a boat trailer sometimes has a really long um, tongue, 
actually that's easier. I know that viewers and listeners out there are screaming, we know if you want to go left, you turn right. If you want to go right, <laughs> you turn left. That's also counterintuitive. And then Ford, and now most manufacturers have little knobs on the truck or yeah. ways to help you do this. Yes. yes. So. <laughs> little knobs for everything, unless you've got a screen, in which case you won't have a knob. Yeah. <laughs> so I would, like I say, just, just practice because uh, uh, it can be very stressful just, you know, just jumping into a truck and then hooking up a trailer and then going down the highway. Uh, because the first thing you're going to find out is uh, you're going to have to fill up with gas and all of a sudden you're going to be like, holy cow, I've got this <laughs> giant trailer behind me and how do I even fill up with gas without blocking the entire gas station or taking out a gas pump? Mm-hmm. It's easier on the highway, actually. Yeah. Yeah, in town. In town Especially in older uh, towns or older parts yeah. of towns where the streets are so narrow that yeah. forget Oh, about I remember it. we had the worst time. Remember oh, we had that Tatra? Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. Oh, my God. I love Emmy, but we were staying with a friend of hers. Hi, Emmy. Long time, no talk. Uh, <laughs> and she uh, had a place in downtown Washington, D.C., which is a regular traffic nightmare on purpose. But uh, we didn't know, so we brought a trailer in. Uh, to downtown. With a Raptor. With, yeah. The down. widest, one yeah. of the widest trucks possible. Yeah, we, we were going down the, this little street in Georgetown at like 1 o'clock at night with millimeters of spare between the cars. That was, that was probably the most stressful uh, towing of my whole life. Here's uh, Kurt Burkhart. So, Kurt, uh, he's asking, how well do hybrid pickup trucks tow on longer trips? For example, I know they have huge torque numbers, but what happens when the battery gets low under load going up a hill? Uh, usually uh, the way it works is uh, the manufacturers will never allow the battery to get so low that you lose the torque and the horsepower. So you, you won't be able to deplete it completely. Yeah, because the engine, whatever the engine is, right, is continuously can replenish the battery, battery yeah. right? And we've seen this many times. We even saw it while towing a electric car while charging. You know, I was really worried that we'll be depleting the battery while moving, but the engine just works a little bit harder, right? And the engine saves the day. I was listening to another one of my favorite podcasts today, uh, behind uh, Seen Through Glass, um, two British guys who do mainly supercars, uh, and they were doing a live show, and one of the guys asked them, how long will it be before we have hybrids uh, that have a lot more range? So let's say you could go 100 miles on a electricity uh and mm. then then you know you have a smaller engine like a 1.9 or 2 liter that then replenishes uh and the, one of the guys answered and i completely disagree with this but he said that the reason we don't have that yet is because the manufacturers are slowly rolling it out because if they rolled it out right away then we wouldn't buy the next new generation so they're slowly trying to get to the point and, and I, I get that kind of <coughs> conspiracy th theory but i think the point that that people miss and this is i know this is kind of off the subject but it also has to do with this is the problem with that concept is the bigger the battery which you're going to have to have the more weight you're adding to the vehicle which means the worse it'll perform and the lo less range you'll have. And the other problem, which um, I think people tend to cost, cost because you're dragging around two powertrains. Uh -huh. I mean, do you really need an electric motor and a gas engine? It doesn't seem like the most efficient way uh, to either build a car or to drive a car. So I think, I think the more hybrid-y something becomes, plug-in hybrid-y, in other words, the more range it has, uh, the less efficient it actually is. And so at some point, you're just better off to go all electric and lose the gas engine because why drag that around? Or go the other way, lose the electric motor and just have the gas engine as opposed to trying to cram two things into one vehicle that make the vehicle just heavier and worse. 
Well, just look at Toyota and the Tundra. We yeah. talked about this. Very small battery. Their hybrid is 1.87 kilowatt hours. Yep. You know, that's enough to maybe mo go a mile, if that, mm. right? So, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. And we still, to this day, do not have a plug-in hybrid pickup. We don't. I mean, we have Lightning, we have well, I Silverado think, EV. I, I, mean, I think the dream, and people, especially with Ram, were talking about this, would be ha like like something like a locomotive, right? Where well, you have a, serial, a small generator? A serial hybrid, yeah. You have a small generator, well, a locomotive, it's a big generator. And then that basically, but th the reason you don't do that is because it's not efficient. So, you know, I thought when I first started learning about hybrids, why don't you have a uh, diesel generator? Because diesels actually are suited for that. They run at one speed. They have a lot of torque, so they can generate a lot of electricity. But it's just prohibitively, like you said, expensive and super heavy. Uh, and so I don't think that that's the solution. Uh, it's kind of like that, you know. It's kind of like the perpetual. Like sometimes people think that, you know, when we go up um, to the top of the Ike Gauntlet uh, in an electric vehicle, then we come down, we gain the same amount of power. Right? It doesn't work that way. No, physics are against us. Yes. No. All right, we're running out of time. But let's do a couple more questions. Okay, wow. It seems like we just started. Yeah, I know. It's it's fun. Yeah, yeah. These are great um, questions, guys. Thank you for sending them so in. So here's another one from Patrick Ryer. I think we only got to like 2% of the questions. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Uh, hey, Pat. Pa Patrick is, has a question about the 2024 Tacoma. Patrick, unfortunately, mm. we haven't driven it yet. No, but we will. Uh, but his question specifically is about inverter capability. We talked about onboard power, and he says, can I run my two kilowatt inverter without the engine being on. So traditionally, like in the F-150 hybrid, you have to have the engine on if you're using onboard power because the battery can be kind of drained quickly mm. and you have to replenish it, right? Uh, and continuously replenish it. But it usually just idles. Yeah. So if you're worried about noise and loud noises, um, usually the engine just idles at about 1,000 RPM it's, or, or it, less. It's amazing how much power you can generate with a... Uh, uh, a giant V6. Twin turbo V6. <laughs> <laughs> it's really quite amazing. Yeah, but you are burning fuel. You are. Yeah. You are burning fuel. Um, here's a question from Zach Britton. Um, thank you, Zach. Uh, do you hey, think Zach. that half-ton diesel trucks are good alternatives for their gas-powered counterparts? Uh, with GM being the only manufacturer in the half-ton diesel space, do you think other manufacturers may try to bring them back, given the apparent success of the three-liter Duramax? I think uh, no. I don't think any other manufacturer will bring a diesel into a half-ton space anytime soon, well, so because let, GM won. The, they won that race. So let's let's talk about that. that's a great question. So when Ford had their uh, half-ton diesel, it was basically an ancient motor that they built in the UK that that belonged to like when Ford had that premier automotive group, right? When they still owned Range Rover, uh, and Land Jaguar. Rover, yep. Yeah, yeah. So I think that they kept. I think that diesel engine plant, and they took that engine and put it. So it was it was already old technology by the time it got here, uh, and you know it, it just got clobbered. It was it was neither super fuel efficient nor super torquey. Yes, and that, and, and that's really the problem with like like. And the same thing happened to the Cummins five liter yeah, in the it, Nissan. Yeah, it, it was kind of instead of being the best of both worlds, small diesels are the worst of both worlds. They're they're not as torquey. And they're not as fuel efficient as their gas competitors, and so uh, <laughs> I, I'm not I'm not convinced that like half ton trucks with diesels well, no. are are actually such a great thing. I, the, the, I think you're right. GM won that battle. They they won it. Yeah. But but I wanna I wanna 
add to what you're saying, Ron. Uh-huh. I, I think the smaller diesels, um, because we have that, they, they don't cash the check that we right. think the diesel is writing yeah. because we're used to heavy-duty diesels, right? Heavy-duty diesels are known for monstrous torque and also really good efficiency while towing. The half-ton diesel, like the three-liter, can deliver a lot of that, but not to the same extent, right? So you're kind of falling short of expectations a little bit. Although, that being said, the three-liter new Duramax that they just updated almost what, what has 500 pounds of foot-pounds of torque. I mean, that's why I think they won the battle because it's you know they still have good emissions and they still have good efficiency. And speaking of emissions, Stellantis, of course, got caught. Not that did not help. Did uh, not eco help. diesel. The eco diesel wasn't very eco, <laughs> even though it was a diesel. Uh, and here's the other problem, Andre. Diesels are very long lived, but everything else about them is super expensive. So you know you have to spend a lot more money doing oil changes. If it breaks, you have to get diesel mechanic pricing versus gas pricing, and that tends to be at least 30 to 50% more for a diesel mechanic. You also have to fill them up with DEF fluid, and the other, of course, issue is you can't fill them up everywhere. We were, Tommy was just using uh, the Trailhound, right, the Cummins, uh, to move his girlfriend's couch around, mm-hmm. and he was driving down to Colorado Springs, and he could not find from here to, because he's not on the highway, right, he could not find a, a pump that had diesel in your typical neighborhood area. Yeah, that's that's not good. Yeah, it's not good. And then, then you know, it, like heavy-duty diesel owners know this, but, you know, if you got to swap out injectors, 800 bucks an injector, V8? It adds multi- up. Multiply that by eight. Yeah, it adds up. And you will up. have to do it. Um, and God help you if you blow a turbo. So, but I'm hoping the three-liter Duramax stays with us for at least a couple of years. Yeah, I'm not I mean, against it. I think they did a great uh, yeah, job. Yeah, and I think they're really, I'm not sure exactly how they want, but I think, I mean, straight six orientation is great, and, and they went forward. And, and then the other, other bugaboo, which people hate to talk about, but uh, is true, um, I can't stand, and we have one now, we have that OBS Ford, right? Mm-hmm. But I used to it's bike a, power a lot, stroke. both, you know, the kind you pedal and the, and the kind you don't. I hate behind being behind like a 10-year-old F-250. It, it just stinks to high hell. And I'm not even <coughs> talking one that has been you know, emissions leading. I'm just talking about one that's 10 years old and has been taken care of. It's just so stinky uh, and just such a miserable thing to, to drive behind. And I spent, you know, I spent a lot of time in Europe where you know, the small diesels became a thing because diesel fuel was less taxed in Europe than, it, than gas was. And same problem. You get behind some oil-burning Peugeot in Europe, and you, you, you might as well just take a screwdriver and stick it in your ear. It's that miserable. Mm-hmm. Here's an, Should we take one more? Yeah, one I more. I mean, uh, yeah. we've been kind of at it for quite a while. Um, here's one from Mary and the Jeep Cycle. Thank you, Mary. By the way, I love being behind old V8s. With that sound? No, with that like smell of <laughs> somehow I'm weird. I like I like the smell of like old unburned gas, but I hate but the smell of the unburned diesel. diesel. I don't know why that is, because the diesel just looks like smog to me, whereas the gas just brings back memories. So I I know that's weird and it's me, but well to but everybody to, their own, you yeah, know. Yeah, but it it is it's weird. Yeah. Yeah. So Mary says I'm planning towing a small RV with my 2011 second generation Toyota Tacoma 4x4. Hey Mary. And uh, Mary wants to live in this RV full time. Oh, good luck. To you, uh, Mary. But I'm worried about towing up a steep hill with my taco. 
Do you guys know anyone who tells heavy with their older Tacomas? I can't seem to find many YouTube videos on this subject. I was thinking of getting an older F-250, my second favorite vehicle, the first being a Jeep 392. <laughs> that toes. 5,000. Yeah, here's another one where, I, is it a manual or is it an automatic? That would be really helpful to know. Yeah. So here's the thing. Once again, assuming the problem is up the hill. Perfect. So Mary's assuming she may not have problem towing up the hill, but she is not asking about downhill. How big is the trailer? How many pounds? She says small RV. She didn't say how much. So uh, I, we would need a little bit more information. I but, Mary. Sorry. Um, you know, most Tacomas don't have brake controllers. Yeah, that's a problem. So you have to look at that. Maybe an older F-250 is your better choice. First of all, you have a bigger platform, heavier truck. It will take care of your trailer in a more confident way. Plus winds, right? Driving down a highway with a crosswind, if you have a small truck and a larger camper, the wind will want to kind of sway you around. Well, I agree with you, Andre. It's always better to over-truck than to under-truck. Under -truck. Right? Uh, and then I also think people, and once again, not enough information there, Mary, sorry, but I'll give you my best crack at it. I also think people forget about the difference between a wet and a dry trailer. And what I mean by that is... <laughs> you taking the hose and wetting it no. down? I mean, a wet trailer, if it has water and you fill it up with, you know, 50 gallons of water... That's a lot of weight. And then, you know, That's, all the yeah. stuff that you have, that, that like your toaster and your toast and your clothes and your shoes. And if you put some bikes in the back, you know, you know, all of a sudden this like, let's say it's a 5,000 pound trailer becomes a 6,000 pound trailer or more very quickly. Mm -hmm. And so in that regard, I always think it's better to have more truck than less truck. Uh, old Tacoma, once again, I don't know, is it the four-cylinder? Then run, run, run. <laughs> no, don't do it. If right. it's a V6, it's okay. It's okay, but if you've got that little four-cylinder, that thing barely will go up the hill. <laughs> by itself. By itself, unless you have a manual, in which case you can shift it to like third gear and maybe make it up. Yeah, so pretty crazy. So we have 60 more questions, Roman. Are, oh, okay. are, are you ready? Well, let's do one more. Do one more. This is fun. Thank you guys oh. for sending in all your questions. I really appreciate it. And I hope that you guys out there watching and listening to this are learning something because every time I listen to one of these podcasts where people ask questions, I'm always frustrated because people don't answer the questions that I have. So I'm, I think we're trying to hopefully pick broader questions that may answer the, the, the kind of things that you guys are thinking about. Here's a one. Will the Frontier get a mid-cycle refresh in 2024? I think unlikely because it just came out in 2022, but they might add another package or a trim, mm. potentially, so stay tuned for that. We'll, we may have some news in the future. Um, Andre, how was your Maverick R experience? Can, can, uh, can I say yeah? something here? Um, Mid-cycle refreshes basically are a way for the manufacturer to inject more um, money and life and excitement into the truck. So it, I, I kind of feel if I read between the lines, like you want to get a Frontier, but you don't want the current one, you want the one that's been refreshed. But usually with a mid-cycle refresh, you're not getting any more capability. It's the same powertrain. It's basically <clears> the <throat> identical truck with like a new fascia on the front of it and a new rear end. Stuck maybe a new screen. Maybe a new screen, maybe yeah. you know, maybe a fe feature or, or sticker package. But look, I'm a firm believer, I had a friend who taught me this lesson a long time ago. I had, uh, um, I, I bought an iPad, right? Um, no, an iPad, an iPod. Remember when they had the iPods? Uh, and, uh, and then he got a newer one, and I was jealous. I was like, 
wow, you got the newer one. And he looked at me and goes, yes, but you've had two years to use yours. <laughs> and I was waiting. <laughs> I was waiting, and I didn't. So think of it that way, right? Yeah. You can wait for the next best thing, or you can have the thing you want now and use it, especially with the mid-cycle refresh. You're not going to be missing out on a lot. And I'm sure the manufacturers don't like hearing that, but it's the truth. Yeah. Um, somebody wants to know about my KNM Maverick R experience. That is far from trucks. It's very far from trucks, and it's also the video is coming. Okay. So please stay tuned uh, to oldtfl.com, uh, our off-road video about that um, side-by-side, okay. which is crazy high performance, is coming. All right. We have, uh, we have four more uh, minutes, uh, and then, then I'm going to tell uh, you something interesting. Uh, what can we expect from Ram on the next-generation heavy-duty trucks uh, to be more competitive against Ford and Chevy? Uh, here's my looking glass. Okay. Because they haven't announced anything. into it. Uh, we, they haven't announced anything. No. Um, new cab mm. uh, from the light duty. You know how yeah, it you moves often, up. Yeah. often cabs move up. Yep. So I think new cab is coming. I think the Cummins is here to stay. They've had a relationship for decades. Um, so maybe a, a tweak on the diesels. And uh, the interior is already great. So longer, slightly longer bed, new cab. Same, similar powertrains. Good prediction. I can't disagree. Um, do you know when the media drive is for the new 2024 Ford Ranger? I do, but it wasn't announced. So we can't tell you. I'm sorry. sorry. Yeah. So sometimes we get embargoed information. Before the end of the year. For, the, for whatever reason. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm guessing. So I do know. I, I'm guessing. I'm saying before the end of the year. You are correct. Okay. Yeah, I figured that. <laughs> so so that's, I'm trying to help you guys out. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Okay. Andre knows. Uh, so uh, let's wrap this up with a couple of things. Uh-huh. Andre, uh, you just did a really cool towing video with the OBS truck. You ran the Denver 100. Uh, when is that publishing? Yeah. So, well, actually, a couple of Denver 100. So okay. Denver 100 is our big 110-mile loop around Denver on a flat highway because we do a lot of mountain towing, but we also want to do efficiency towing on uh, measuring efficiency on a level highway. So it's an so, efficiency towing test. Yes. So the OBS Ford is coming ne- a week from now. Okay. Uh, and the I have a gas version of the Chevy Silverado Heavy Duty hmm. that's coming right the one, now. The one you just liked. Yes. So this weekend, if you're watching this. Uh, so whenever this episode publishes, on altfl.com, we will have a gas version because it's, you save Roman ninety five hundred dollars by not buying the diesel. Mm. That's a good chunk of change you, for ninety five hundred dollars. You can sp- you could buy a lot of fuel, gasoline or whatever. So uh, that's happening right now. So let me bring this podcast uh, full circle mm-hmm. uh, um, by thanking our Patreons <laughs> as well. Uh, and if you want to help support this team. Patreon.com slash TFL car. But as you recall, we started with Toyota. Now, uh, over at TFL car, we just uh, finished a series where we bought three cheap Jeeps, and then we kind of took them to Moab and played with them to see. That was fun. See which one it was. And it was very popular. A lot of people watched it. Thank you, guys. Um, it was a lot of fun, except when it was 104 out. That was a little bit hot. But otherwise, it was a good series. But I will, I will let the cat out of the bag, Andre. What? We are doing... Another version of that, as you know. Yes. Yes. Except we're going to try to answer the question, is Toyota the most reliable uh, of all brands? Because we are going to do the same cheap series, but cheap Toyotas. So uh, we have bought um, three Toyotas, all with at least 200,000 miles. Mm -hmm. 
for under ten thousand dollars. And I will I will let you guys in on this because we're right now in production of the series. It's going to air before the end of the year, but we still have to finish shooting it, and we have to of course edit it. Uh, but one of those vehicles is yours. What what did you buy, Andre? Oh, oh, you, can oh. let them, you can let them know. What did um, you buy? It's a Toyota Tundra. That's right. <laughs> but it's not any Toyota Tundra. It's a 5.7 liter V8. Yes, found Toyota one under 10,000 with over 200,000 miles. Yes. And I think this series is going to live on truck. So that's the other hint. Well, guys, thank you for spending this hour with us. Uh, and thank you for your questions. Yeah, a, a lot of awesome questions. Thank you very much. And, and don't forget that uh, over uh, at... Uh, uh, Basically, our Car Talk channel. I, I don't want to use Car Talk because that, of course, is another podcast. TFL Cars. Yeah, TFL Car Talk. <laughs> <laughs> Nathan and I uh, talk about all things cars. Uh, so that's also a podcast that you may want to check out. Uh, and then uh, we're uh, doing uh, kind of a bonus podcast over on that channel. And you can, of course, see it at TFL Talk, our YouTube channel. Ooh, I also have a bonus. Let me finish, and then I'll get okay. yours. And we can finish out with yours. Where uh, Paul Gerard, our uh, race car driver who used to be the Stig on Top Gear USA, uh, is doing special episodes with uh, special guests in the car world. Uh, and the first guest is a, 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 a tuner you may know who does BMWs. I'm gonna leave it at that. And that's coming out next week. Wait, so. I didn't know this. Yeah, I want to. I want to listen to. Yeah, that. it's really good. Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. He's got. He's got a lot of like interesting friends. Awesome. That's okay. really incredible. And what's your... What's your uh, well, well, I interviewed uh, most of the team with the Can-Am Maverick R. Oh, nice. I have, I have over an hour... Is, is that the truck? No. What's the well, where do we put that podcast? I mean, I have over an hour of really interesting conversation uh, well, we do with, as, with Can-Am people. Do it as a bonus here. There you go. Yeah, maybe next week. Okay. Okay. All right. Thanks for watching, guys. See you next time. Ciao. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.